0: Hey, buddy. Alex, I missed you so much. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. It's been a while, man. Uh, we took a week off. It feels like longer than that, though. I know. Isn't that weird? It feels like every time we take like a week off, it feels like, oh my gosh, it's been a month since we podcasted last. How, 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 do I even know how to use a mic anymore? I don't yeah, know. I mean, what plugs in where? I don't even know. I can't remember. But anyway, we, we took a week off to just to kind of sit back and celebrate uh, the 4th of July with family. And I think we did a fairly good job. Yeah. Uh, you hung out with your family up north. Did some hiking. Oh, did nice. some
1: worshiping in the water. What? The future episode, dude. Okay.
0: All right. I'll cool leave it stuff. at that. Uh, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, so on July 3rd, we went to my father and mother-in-law's house. And they live in a nice little subdivision in Davis in Michigan. And their neighbors next door to them are like the most hillbilly redneck neighbors (laughs) you could have in a nice subdivision in Davis and Michigan. And they hang in a rebel flag. uh, I feel like they have one somewhere in their house. We have people in
1: our neighborhood who have the rebel flags hanging high.
0: And so the guy comes over because we're all just kind of sitting outside barbecue and hanging out as a family. He goes. I got about 120 mortars. <laughs> I don't know if he, I don't know if he had an accent like that. Again, I apologize to our friends in the south. Um, I got about, I got 120 mortars, and we're gonna do you know a fireworks show at dusk. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. So we we went and sat on the back porch to watch it happen. Two or three mortars into this thing, there must have been a malfunction, and everything started exploding on the ground and it was terrifying ada we took
2: we rushed ada inside and there
0: is just colorful sparks going every which way and it was loud as heck because i mean usually fireworks they explode up in the air exploded on the ground and these exploded all on the ground and i was like this has to be a small extent to what it's like to get like m- mortared in, uh, like in a combat position. I was
1: listening to NPR. Michigan firefighters responded to how many f- calls of fires from fireworks? I want to say firework-related incidents in the whole state. In the whole state of Michigan,
0: I'm going to say 500.
1: Twenty-two thousand.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have to double-check those numbers somewhere, somehow. I don't even know how to double-check those numbers, but it sounded so fake to me. But that's what I heard on NPR, and NPR's, you know...
0: NPR's always right? It's inerrant. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, good segue, good segue. So anyway, we are going to be talking about inerrancy with somebody that we really respect. I mean, Jason, from a biological reason, and for me, just... Because I like the guy. We're going to be having on Dave Duncan, Jason's dad. My father. (laughs) That's (laughs) why I said biological.
1: (laughs) He's going to talk to us about inerrancy um, after he's been on our show on our Halloween special to talk about
0: how our house was haunted. And how he grew up in a haunted house, too. (laughs) So, go go back and listen to episode 10. He has this chilling story that keeps me up at nights and times. Oh, the story goodness. is called The Circle of Knickknacks.
1: Oh, we didn't even scratch the surface of his oh, stories. I'm so dude. pumped. And he, they're all true. <laughs> like, they're all inerrant. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All of his ghost stories are inerrant. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. I can't wait for
0: Halloween episode two yeah know. dude the podcast of horror part two yeah uh, it's, it's gonna be we're already getting excited it's july i know i'm like, so pumped we're for halloween. like we're like walmart right now where we've already got the halloween stuff out and it's july that's yeah. basically what we just did so but anyway guys listen to this episode have 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 a little bit of an open mind i'm, I'm not asking you to convert over to dave's position that he's going to be proposing i'm just saying can you at least listen yeah,
1: and I'm gonna blame him for all my positions, <laughs> more or less. No, I mean we talk about
0: inerrancy. Is is the Bible error free? Oh my! Well, there's no better way to get into it than to just get into it. Yeah. So this is not your pastor's inerrancy episode. All right, guys, I'm sitting here with Dave Duncan, and I feel so bad. Well, not bad. Let me let me rephrase that. I feel like I'm getting cheated that I I'm talking about inerrancy with him today and not getting more ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, for uh,
1: yeah, Dave Duncan, my dad, everybody is here with us uh, to talk about inerrancy, like Alex said, uh, but he is a second time guest.
0: Yeah, you that's right.
1: came on our podcast on our Halloween special. Episode 10. To share with us how the house that I grew up in, that you lived in, was indeed haunted.
0: Yes, sir. <laughs> it was. Get ready for next Halloween. Yeah. Because we're bringing Dave back. <laughs> we are planning
1: uh, um, Michael J. Basinger's
0: on board for oh, Halloween special. Cool. So
1: is uh, Tony from... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Tony. From Red Rum Theater, so.
0: Also, we are recording in my dining room today, uh, and if it sounds a little weird, that's why. And every time we switch locations, I always feel like a little antsy. Yeah. Like, I'm out of my element. Like, I don't know where I am. Where am I right now? I don't even know. Is this purgatory? I don't know. <laughs> it's, Maybe we'll get into that. It's your dining room table. <laughs> purgatory. Is it, is it, though, or is this just a simulation? I don't. It could be. Is oh, this
1: no. the Matrix? Let's yeah. go there. There we go no so today we're we're talking about inerrancy and we're bringing my dad in um dave also star of uh, don't feed the trolls bigfoot (laughs) episode that was fun that's another one to, to listen to but if if you've done the the podcast circle or you've been listening to podcasts for a while the topic of inerrancy comes up quite a bit and i feel like alex i mean you can you can chime in here too that the general consensus is that the bible is
0: full of errors yeah i don't know i i have i have my thoughts on the idea and i'm i'm really looking forward to dave you sharing your perspective because out of all of our guests that we've had i have a special respect for you because you although you may come to the table with a maybe a different idea your your dedication and your um perseverance to the word of god and like teaching teaching us teaching us young guys how to preach and to to construct sermons i really respect that so we may have differing uh, differing views or I, and maybe we just need to get into it but i really
2: that's yeah, one of the reasons well,
0: why we wanted to have dave on is because he has a little bit different opinion or a different view than the the things that i've been hearing in the podcast circuit i feel like
1: yeah it's it's uh it's kind of habit of nature about twice a week usually on my way home from work, I call my dad, and we talk about everything under the sun, Yeah, biblical. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would always tell him about, hey, there's this, this new stuff and errancy that's, that's come up, and, and what do you think about that? Is the Bible full of error? And you kind of surprised me a little bit, because here I am thinking that this is a new thing, and it's not new at not all. Not at all. <laughs> it's it's not new. It's not like uh Inerrancy's a hot take in the church world or the podcasting world. Inerrancy's been around for uh a handful of decades now. So, I guess the main question for our listeners, maybe they don't know what inerrancy is or they they've never had to wrestle with it or they haven't they don't have a concept of of what it is. I'm going to pose this question. We got An ESV Bible right here. We're all
0: rocking ESV. That that tells you a lot about us.
1: We're we're all holding an ESV. I'm holding up this Bible. Is this ESV Bible, is this Bible free of error? Inerrant.
2: You're looking directly at me when you ask that question. Yeah, I want you
1: to answer it.
2: Uh, Let me make uh, make a statement before I answer your question. Okay. And that's... Uh, I want you guys and anybody out there who's listening to understand. Oh, yeah. Don't that, turn uh, the question back around. Enough, no, I'm not so going to No, I'm going to tell you flat out. Um, uh, but I, but I want you to know that uh, I very much believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. However, I do not believe that the ESV Bible is free from error. Nor do I believe that the NIV Bible is free from error, or the King James, or the ASV, or any of those translations.
0: What about the Jesus Storybook Bible?
2: (laughs) That one is close. I love that. (laughs) I love that. The illustrations bring it through. Because Jesus doesn't look like a tall white European male. So <laughs> <laughs> you might you might wonder why what you know. And I'm, I'm taking a big risk here because uh, I, I can see a lot of people might get angry um, with my take on this. But I, I, I have to be honest with you. My my respect for scripture has tripled in the last two years of my life. Um, And it's always been a big thing to me, and it was always frustrating to me uh, how much I thought about Scripture and the Bible, uh, but I was unable to keep it. I was unable to obey it, and it was very frustrating for me. And then what's even more frustrating is when you're talking to people, and they read the Bible, and one person says one thing, and another person says something else. And I I have literally seen churches split and close down because people— did not agree on things they found in the Bible. And I will be the first one to tell you that I can take the Scripture and I can argue on many topics, both sides of that topic, equally hard from Scripture. And that, is a, that might be a misuse of Scripture. Um, uh, but the short answer to your question is no. Um, and, and, and hopefully as we discuss this, we'll explain why. I guess we should give some. Cred- you both look shocked.
1: No, I guess we should give some credentials to. Uh, you are a former pastor. Yeah. How many different churches did you you pastor?
2: Uh, four.
1: And you went to seminary. Yes. And so you, for our listeners, you have quite an education behind you. You're not just uh, some well, random yeah, guy. Yeah. I mean, you can be humble and everything else, but.
2: Yeah, I that's that's a tough one. I um I, I mean I went to Bible college and I went to uh, went to Southern Baptist Seminary. Um and uh my excuse me, my major uh in seminary was the the canonization of scripture, studying how scripture came together and how we got our Old Testament and our New Testament and uh the background and and all of that. Um but um you mean it just didn't. i'm not i thought
1: a, i thought the bible just descended out of heaven and just
2: uh, landed right on the pulpit well, you, you know? know that's the way a lot of people a lot of people want it to be like that yeah they prefer it to be like it that. Certainly they prefer be easier. that element of mystery uh in the scripture you know you you talked to a lot of people about how our bible came together they don't like it um but yet it's the truth it is absolutely the truth. So, give us a brief rundown the history of how we got
0: this Bible that we have right here just just for just for everybody out there who may be questioning because I'm sure we have some people who are listening to this podcast who may be atheists or come from different forms of faith. Okay. So, how did we get the Bible that we have today?
2: In a very, 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 very brief. <laughs> um, the synod of doors obviously. Make sure. Let's divide <laughs> it into two parts: Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament was a culmination of hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, the Hebrew people collecting various texts that they felt were authoritative. And uh, very early on, way back in history, uh, the first five books, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible uh, were attributed to Moses, and they were attributed, uh, therefore, to, to God, and God spoke those to him, along with many of the prophets and the writings of King David, poetry of Jeremiah, and uh, the wit of the Solomon and the Proverbs. And I would say somewhere around five to 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, the Old Testament had taken a clear form and the books were pretty much established, which is interesting because this, there's a corollary in the New Testament. Now nowhere in the New Testament do you find a single verse that references that the New Testament itself is the Word of God. Uh, We all assume that, we read various statements in the New Testament that talk about the Word of God, and we don't understand and realize that the Word of God they're talking about is the Old Testament, because Jesus never had a New Testament. Paul never had a New Testament. The Bible that they read is our Old Testament, and that's all they used. And when Paul said to uh, to Timothy that uh, that the Word of God was 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 breathed out by him, he's talking about the Old Testament. Jesus was an expert at memorizing Scripture, and uh, a lot of it was right from Isaiah. So, how do we get the New Testament? Well. Uh, After the death of Christ, the New Testament and all those truths that had come to the early church were kind of spread the same way that the truths of the Old Testament were, by word of mouth, by father to son, by son to grandson, so forth and so on. And in the early church, because there were no written documents or few written documents, the church began to recognize certain writings as authoritative, and that's the key word and that test of authority um, we won't go into to it because it's a long story but there were certain tests of authority that they placed on books and some of the early church fathers i'll call them fathers but they were just influential people in the early church but basically over time the 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 early church leaders basically looked to see and through all the churches what texts the churches were using and over time and much debate the various books of the New Testament that we have today were selected. And that, and that is how the Bible came to be. It wasn't like an angel came out of heaven and plopped the book down and says, There's your Holy Bible. It came to us, and literally it was transmuted to us by the early church. And uh, some people disagree with that. Uh, do I believe that the New Testament is inspired? Absolutely I do and uh, as well as I believe that the Old Testament is inspired. However, I believe that they were inspired in their, what you sometimes will hear the statement, in their original autographs. Beyond that, you run into a problem because the scripture was written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. It wasn't written in English. We don't even have some of the words that the Greek language has Hebrew language has. And so we have to improvise to make those things make sense. And a lot of times the way a translation comes out boils down to opinion, Uh, one scholar against another scholar. So I ask you guys, um, are you okay with trusting the opinions and decisions of men as being how we got our Bible?
0: If their first name starts with John and their last name ends in MacArthur, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he would say I'm sinning because I have long. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. That, that's a really that's a really good question. And I guess I guess for me, that's where it comes. That's where it comes down to the responsibility for us as. As followers of Jesus, to study the Scripture not just from one translation, but from a multitude of translations, and if ne- and if possible, get a hold of some sort of Greek. Or, or, and that's one of the reasons why I love some of the commentaries that I use because they have some of those original Greek phrases in there. So, like the one I I like to point to all the time is the uh, in John's Gospel, chapter one, where it talks about the pros ton theon, where it talks about the word being with God and how much the, and the the English translation is the word was with God and how the Greek would mean so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that the fact that the word Jesus, the logos was with God in eternity past and had a face to face relationship with him. That kind of throws out a lot of the silly theology that you. Know, well, the the reason why God made us is because He was lonely. Like, no, 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 no. That's <laughs> it. That's not how it worked. And so I can understand why people can come to that conclusion unless they studied the full Greek phrase. So I guess for me, the responsibility lays on us not to just to read this word, but also to maybe dig into it a little bit deeper and study it from multiple angles. From, from um, I mean, this is a popular term. From word to word translations or. F- uh, what's the other one meaning or
2: uh, transliteration yes yeah. oh, so, so let's, let's transition to a little bit different thought in, this, in the same vein that help us to kind of dig on this a little bit more so if you ask me right now today when I pick up the Bible and I read it do I have trust and confidence that what I'm getting is the word of God and I say unequivocally I absolutely do I absolutely do. However, I refuse, uh, and this is kind of a somewhat recent development for me, Uh, I refuse to place the Bible in a category of uh, myth and superstition. Um, When Jesus was here and he was left and departed to go be with the Father, he didn't say, a book I leave with you. He said, Spirit, I leave with you. And sometimes we treat the Bible, uh, you know, we call it the Holy Bible. That's a, that's a term that we've come up with, man has come up with. Um, and the word holy simply means set apart or special. But a lot of people have this attitude about the Bible that it's somehow magical. It somehow uh, has a, a, a power of its own uh, to affect things and to make things happen, and uh, that- I think
0: that was the whole plot to the book of Eli, which I don't know if anybody's seen that movie. Awesome movie, but that—that's the, the main protagonist in that. Or no antagonist. That would be the antagonist in that movie. Was trying to get a hold of the last copy of the Bible that was on the earth because he thought it had some sort of special magical powers. And in the end, mm-hmm. he found out it was—it's just a book. Right. It's what you do with it. Anyway, sorry, sorry to so, derail your train of thought. That's okay. why,
2: why do why do why do we? And I hate to use the word elevate because I think the the scriptures in our in our minds and hearts should be elevated. I think they are important. Um, you might have heard this statement. Um, I heard a preacher once say some people can believe they they say that the Bible contains the word of God, and I say no, the Bible does not contain the word of God. It is the word of God. Word by word, sentence by sentence, God breathed, inspired by him, um, and uh, to to think anything else is to disrespect God's word. And I want to say that taking that statement and just accepting it outright uh, without any study or any questioning uh, might also be disrespecting the Word of God. So I ask you guys this question, is the Bible that you hold in your hand, is that the Word of God?
1: Yeah, my, I mean, I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but when we say the Scripture is God breathed, mm-hmm. uh, breathed out by God into man. I mean, I have a hard time picturing what does that look like? Did God use their personalities did they use did he use his per, their personhood? Did he use their experience, their culture, their history? or did he just um possess them and write words that were meant for all people of all time? I mean these words that say Paul or John wrote. They were writing to specific people about specific situations, mm-hmm. but yet we take them and apply them as if they are God-authored uh, wisdom, guidance for the church of all time. And, mm-hmm. we, and a lot of times we take that original context out of context and yeah, we morph it to a, our current situation.
2: It's, um, that's one of the worst things we do to Scripture is to rip it from its context. Um. And uh, I I know that a number of people who are hearing me say these things, they're probably thinking, well, Dave is – we knew he was getting old, but (laughs) it looks like he's popped over the edge. Everybody pray for Dave. Uh, And that's good. I I hope you do. I hope you will. Um, But I also want to say this, that if it is possible to turn the Bible into an idol, we only worship Christ. We only worship God through Christ. We don't worship the Bible. I had a deacon um, a number of years ago. Uh, well, it's been more than 10 years, but um, a guy that I respected who seemed to be very knowledgeable about the Scripture, and he told me that um, that he, he loved the Scripture and that every night um, he put his Bible under his pillow and he slept on it. Um, and I asked him why, and he says, because I believe that, um, having my head that close to God's word is bound to be beneficial. <laughs> and I think, you know, come on. I mean, well, How uh, is that it, any
0: different than what the Pharisees did with the phylacteries? Oh, well, That's the it's, same. It's, it's, it's the same, same, same thing. thing. <laughs> it's the same thing.
2: And, and, and i that's exactly what I'm thinking. These are the same kind of things that Jesus ripped the Pharisees and scribes about. You see, you read the scriptures, you think they testify of me? And, and, um, um, so let's 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 talk a little bit more about the word of God. What is the word of God? Is it is the word of God limited and bound by the pages and leather of this book I'm holding in my hand? Well, it, some people would say that, Dave. Hey, I some, would
1: I would add to that. Sorry, Alex, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, no, go no ahead. you can go ahead and finish your thought. No,
0: like I that. would I would I would just say that some people probably would say that, but mm-hmm. we know that God is a God who enjoys revealing himself to us. Yes. And yeah. so there's been many times that okay, not many times, but there's been one time in particular that I felt a strong calling from God to move to Flint. I don't know why. He did he just it was just this oh this moment of prayer in this in this overwhelming sensation coming over me like okay i need to podcast
1: right now (laughs) it was yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's that's it it's here for this but i
0: didn't read alex go to flint in first corinthians that was something that god had shown to me through prayer i feel like so i feel like that was him revealing his will to me through prayer so i don't think you could say i don't think you can say that god's word is limited to this these pages in this in this leather bound or imitation leather bound book (laughs) but at the same time that that this i guess this word has some type of it still has a lot of weight and i always kind of go back to it as as something to test what i may hear that it isn't necessarily from Mm -hmm. the bible
2: Mm
1: -hmm. i was just going to change one thing about your question change it from word Mm -hmm. in here to speaks Because I've heard it over and over all throughout going up in church that if you want God to speak to you, He only speaks to you through what's already been written through His Word. So God doesn't speak
0: to us any other way. Which Alex, so that was that would probably be the ultra conservative view. Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. I mean, you just refuted that with what you said. I mean, we had Steve Austin on a couple of weeks ago, and he's talking about waking up after a suicide attempt and waking up in ICU. And feeling a warm feeling in his chest and hearing God say to him, I'm not finished with you yet. <laughs> I mean Well you, I mean, you if God only speaks to us through his word, then you would have to you'd be forced, you'd be pigeonholed into a corner and saying, No, that wasn't God. I don't know what it was. Maybe it didn't happen at all. Maybe it was a demon. Maybe he shouldn't be here. I mean, that's the kind of logic that would play out when I would push back against People would say he only speaks to us through his written word. He doesn't speak to us in any other way. Mm -hmm. We're getting a little bit off topic, I think. About is this book errorless? I think it's a good discussion. I'm just. I think it's all part of it,
0: though.
2: But it is is related to inerrancy because the, the 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 whole idea of inerrancy is that that there there are no errors in the Bible. That it's that it's what it what what we read is faithful. And, and um, the the problem you run into is we make these dogmatic statements about the Scripture. We say it's inerrant. It's God-breathed. Some people say it's God-breathed literally word by word. And I, I believe that. But I believe it's God-breathed word by word in the original autograph as it was originally I'm, I'm given. I'm
0: starting to lean more that way.
2: Yeah. Um, so you
1: guys would say our ESV version translation transliteration is not God-breathed, that the original was God-breathed, and I, the translation I guess is as accurate as it can be the to the message who translated it at the time.
2: The message of the Scriptures is God-breathed. When, we, when that message is transmuted, transferred to us as we read the Scripture, it is that message that is inerrant. It is the message that is um, unequivocally from God. And um, so, like when the, when the guy says, uh, "This book doesn't contain the Word of God, it is the Word of God." well, th- you run into an immediate problem because what about people who don't speak English? What about if you want to preach the gospel to people in China? How do you do that? You have to translate it into their language. Th- there are going to be issues that come up, and we trust that by the leadership of the Holy Spirit that that those things are those things are captured by God and where we are protected from error. But a lot of us a lot of folks today won't even they won't question uh anything. What you said a while ago, Jason, about does God use people's personality, their mannerisms, their culture and all those things? I'll tell you this, if he did, a lot of things I read in the scripture make a whole lot more sense. Yeah. And you talked about a while ago, Alex, about God likes to reveal himself. And when I look at the Bible, I see a document that basically tells the history of God's revelation of himself to us. Back in the Old Testament, some people, uh, their concept of God was quite different than ours. They, did, we, they didn't have the light that we have. They, didn't, they weren't able to see what we see. Um, um,
0: they weren't even even able to comprehend the idea of a mess. I mean, they knew that there a Messiah was coming, but like I think I can't remember. Maybe it isn't that towards the end of Exodus they were looking forward to. All they had was the tabernacle, but they knew that there was something better coming. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, and all, all I'm trying to do is is try. It, I think we should try to lead people away from these dogmatic statements that create controversy that create arguments and so that we can respect the scripture for what it is we don't have to defend the scripture
1: yeah and that's the thing that i would i would drive to defending against what against polarizing viewpoints that were driven off a notion that this bible has no error which kind of to me makes it more black and white Makes it so you can't take it and wrestle with the text and have any, you know, different meaning from it than what's already been said, and you're kind of pigeonholed.
0: So if I could chime in because this is something that I, I, I thought a lot about today, knowing that we were going into this, and and one of the reasons why Dave I want I respect you greatly, and I wanted to, you know, Jason, and I wanted to give you this platform to share your view on this particular op, um subject. Was because I've heard a lot lately about the the topic of inerrancy, and the thing that really irritates me when people talk about inerrancy, and like some some listening to some pastors talk about it on these different podcasts, the thing that irritates me is they use they they'll say I don't believe in biblical inerrancy, and they use it as a way to justify a position that they hold, and to say certain, say things such as. Yeah, Paul didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And so I think the main thing, the main takeaway, if you, especially if you if you line up more with Dave and you would say that the Bible isn't inerrant, that the Bible that we hold in our hand isn't inerrant, or you you lean on the side of it is inerrant, that this ESV that I'm holding in my hand is inerrant. This is every word for word is true. I think the thing that we can come together on, the thing that we could all agree on and so we're not so splitting hairs over something that I think is really trivial is is this word authoritative and that's the thing like i said before i've listened to a lot of podcasts and heard a lot of pastors and this is the crazy thing people that are pastors basically say that they that their truth that they're reading into the text is more important than the the truth that they should be gleaning from outside the text so people would say the
1: bible is inerrant it's the inspired word of god but then they rely on X number of history, Bible background commentaries to devise what their message is. So to me, it's like looking at a wall with a mirror and behind you another mirror. Mm-hmm. And you just keep looking at this reflection of yourself that just goes on forever and ever and ever. And where does it stop and where does it start? Are those historical background commentaries, are, are those inerrant? Were those inspired by God? Because mm-hmm. we know that. You don't have exactly. To look very, you don't have to look very Where far do you draw that line? back into American history, and you see that. And you look at our school textbooks, and you come to the conclusion, well, history is revisionist. <laughs> because that's not the way I read it when I went to school, but yet this is the way my kids are reading it, and it's two different accounts. And we have the same thing I hear all the time. So, Alex, to what you're saying, you know, somebody. When I hear those arguments that they're making, that they're like, that's not what Paul was going through at the time. Uh, Paul had this going on in the background, or this was going on in the background. Paul's looking at it from this perspective, and it's coming from this perspective over here. And it keeps shifting, and it keeps changing, and people keep deriving what the text really means based upon this new insight into history, or this new revelation from historians on what was truly happening in the background. Well, now we're going to read it from a Jewish perspective. I don't know that it's a good thing or a bad thing. I I think I think it's confused for inerrancy.
0: Well, that's why that's why I bring up the idea of authoritative. Is this word authoritative when we read exactly. this? When we read this thing, can we can we trust it to the to the best of our ability? That with the best of the, of our technology and the way our language works today that this is the closest thing that we could possibly get it is it is it is and and that i would highly encourage anybody like if you've got a whole shelf just full of nivs maybe sell some of those nivs and get an esv get Mm -hmm. an asv get some different texts so you can maybe get a better
2: picture how can we understanding that that scripture was originally god-breathed how can we accept any single translation as the one it, we can only do that if we, we, we base it on somebody's expert, quote, quote, opinion, mm-hmm. um, other, other scholars who say, well, we think this one is the best one. And I, look, you remember Pastor Jim one time when he was asked what version of the Bible is the best one? And you remember what his answer was? I do not recall. Whatever version you'll practice, whatever version you'll live by, that's the one that's the best. And um, I don't think, as Christians, I don't think we need to defend the inerrancy of the Bible. Because if you try to, you're going to get yourself in trouble really fast. Because the arguments you try to make, a lot of people not only won't accept them, they may not be able to accept them. It's like even as we're having this conversation now, I know there are people who are going to listen to this. And they're just going to sit and shake their head that this is awful, this is terrible. But I'm telling you that that God's word, his word, is authoritative. It is faithful. It can be trusted. And as you pick up your Bible, whether it's the NIV or the ASV or the King James Version, and you read it sincerely from the, from the heart, uh, allowing yourself to be guided by the Holy Spirit, that you will receive from this Bible, inerrant, absolute, truth um and and i think that's the way god intends it to be um, um i and i I've, i'm one of these people who believes that yeah god god used the personality of these people when they he did, they weren't robots uh these were real people um so i i just i think that uh if you put me in a corner said and ask me to i think that the bible is in inerrant i'm gonna say it is inerrant as it can be as a as a human translation, um, but beyond that, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's there. Errors in it or not. I, I mean, it's just like Jesus. One day he said, uh, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." And uh, and I was always. I grew up believing that you didn't need to be baptized to be saved. But yet people would often bring that question to me, and I would, I would take another verse of Scripture and say, well, this one doesn't have it. and then, So then we're, we're trading Scriptures back and forth, and I'm just thinking, this is ridiculous. We're using the Word of God to argue against the Word of God. Why can't we not just be open about it and, and say, look, I, I, I have always believed that you don't have to be baptized, but Jesus, my Savior, said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Um, so I'm not going to stand face-to-face with my Savior and say, uh, I-, I believe, but this baptism thing, I- I- I don't, we don't believe that. Um, uh, so I- I'm open about that. I'm open to further light from God. Uh, I understand why the church needs to take the position it has taken historically, because if you open the door to people receiving revelation outside of the Scripture— you potentially open the church up to great and grave error where a person is saying, God told me to tell you this. It, hap- it happens today. People are led astray by false teachers. Well, that's why I think... All the time. I think that... So, like, when I when I thought about
0: this this topic of inerrancy, I'll, I'll be quite honest. I The image in my mind of all the churches that have all the tabs on their websites, they say, this is what we believe. Oh, yeah, it's a real yeah. statement. <laughs> and, like... All the ones that talk about we believe that the Bible is inerrant and it has no errors in it. I think maybe what might be a better way, and I, I know I sound like a broken record. I think what might be a better statement to make, other than inerrancy, because then you're gonna you're gonna like Jason you said before you're gonna pigeonhole yourself if you if you yeah. make that claim. I think something that might be better is saying we believe that the Bible is authoritative, the authoritative Word of God, and leave it at that. And you mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to say inerrant, and then therefore. When people say, well, is it inerrant? Like, well, yeah, there's a, there's a possibility because we have all these tra- translations and this and that, and you go through the rigmarole of
2: all that. <laughs> yeah, We, I, we I, all believe this already. Yes. How many times have you heard uh, Josh or Chuck? They're preaching, and they'll, they'll read the scripture and, and pastors, say by what, by this, what this means, what this word really means, um, uh, and this, this comes from a Greek word. That it means, and they're, they're pointing out the fact that that particular word is not the best choice to understanding what the scripture is saying. It's just like the word
0: doulos. I mean, the, do, the word doulos yeah, means yeah. slave in the Greek, but if you open up your ESV, even, it says servant, and that's not, you lose you lose a lot of the meaning just by dumbing it down to the word servant and not using the word slave. Does it mean
2: doulos? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that's, that's a Bible
1: joke right there, Dave.
2: Um,
1: so I guess to kind of cap things off here, We wouldn't say in order to be a Christian, you must believe that the Bible is
0: inerrant. I would. So this kind of goes back to our episode seven where we talked about apologetics. Yeah. And like leading off with that as your as your like your uh, uh, evangelism tool. Like, no, I wouldn't do that. Like there's never been a time that I've shared the gospel with somebody that I led off with the statement. Did you know this word is inerrant? I've never done that before because <laughs> I don't think it works. I think the thing that works is telling people about who Christ is and how he's changed your life as opposed to like, check out this. It says that there's six day creation and there's a bunch of science to back that up. It's just words inerrant. Boom. America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. Sorry to our friends to the south. Oh, boy.
1: No, I think we uh, successfully landed in a place of conservatives are probably angry and
0: progressives are probably angry that we didn't go far enough. And if both sides (laughs) are angry, Jason, we have done our job. We've done it. Because there's progressive pastors, there's conservative pastors, but guess what? We're not your pastor.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I see what you did there, Alex. And basically what it boils down to is... um, I'm just gonna say that's what my dad taught me. Oh <laughs> <Well>, no. <laughs>
2: dad- Let me Daddy teach you like one this. more <laughs> thing then. Let me teach you one more thing.
1: You got a closing statement? Yeah. And,
2: and David's closing, sta- sta- closing statement. Yeah, I I just want to say this that look, the the Bible as we have it today is awesome. Uh we can trust it. And um as you as you become a student of scripture, there are so many wonderful and marvelous things to be learned and to be, uh, you know, we, we all are different levels in our understanding of the truth. None of us have arrived. There's yet much, much to be learned, and uh, God's Word will open itself to you in marvelous ways. Just don't get hung up on uh, ultra-dogmatism and think that uh, everybody's got to line up with you in order for their experience to be meaningful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dave, is there anywhere uh, people can get a hold of you if they have more questions? You on Twitter at all or Instagram? Yeah, let me Instagram? give you Jason's
2: phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give out yours.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for. Uh, Here's a social security card and credit card yeah, numbers.
1: certificate. <laughs> well, thanks, Dad, for uh, coming on and sure. talking about some inerrancy with us.
0: Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for inviting me. And we will have you back in October to tell Ooh. ghost stories. <laughs>
2: Who you gonna call?
0: Dave Duncan. Jason, another interview in the bank. Yeah, with your dad, uh-huh. David J. Duncan. I don't. I don't know what his. <laughs> name. David J. It's not J. <laughs> Is it David Sebastian Duncan? <laughs> <laughs> no. And Sebastian doesn't start with a J either. Well, I'm just saying. It, it, I'm just trying to figure out what his middle name is.
1: Oh, I don't want to share it because then our listeners would like look him up.
0: <laughs> but yeah, inerrancy, dude. I feel like this is, like we said, we said it in the episode, it's kind of like a, it's a topic that's been around for a while, but I feel like maybe because of the, the podcasting world, it's becoming a topic that's talked about more and more and more.
1: Yeah, I feel like we had to address it in some fashion or another, and dedicating an episode to it's important. But, um, in my honest opinion, what I give two farts <laughs> about inerrancy. <laughs> yeah, more or less. You want to know why? Because, and I've been labeled this as uh, by other pastors and such. You know, uh, I prefer action over speaking. And, Alex, you've heard me say it. I'm not a big fan of theology, even newer theologies such as inerrancy. Um,
0: I'd rather just get to work and do things. And Yeah, I think somebody said that. Uh, was it James who said, talk is cheap, you should do works? Yeah, I know that might— <laughs> That's <don't> a paraphrase. <laughs> I know talk that is cheap. That may come off as
1: arrogant to some people, like— I, a theological discussion is important, and it serves a purpose.
0: I like theological discussions. That's, that's my uh, personality, Some people find
1: though. it fun and entertaining. I'd rather just skip it all and s- serve Jesus, be his hands and feet. And
0: Well, what if you're sitting around a bonfire, and you're just kind of relaxing with good friends? We talk about blood sport. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the Simpsons
1: references. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm... I'm uh, I'm half-joking. I mean, in, inerrancy is an important discussion. I'm glad my dad came on to, to talk about it. Um, I think he's got some different viewpoints than your probably traditional um, churchgoer, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially from his age and his generation,
0: where you just kind of tote the company line, you know? Right. I'm sorry, everybody. I just yawned. It's, it's, we're recording this episode on a Tuesday night and it's, it's getting late for us. Yeah.
1: And we just recorded an episode with Richard Jacobson, uh, the unchurching podcast. What's
0: his name again, Jason? Uh,
1: It's getting late, Alex. Richard Jacobson. I think it's pronounced with a long J, Jacobson.
0: Jacobson? Yes. Richard (laughs) (laughs) Jacobson.
1: We're going to be on the unchurching podcast. How cool is that? That's
0: pretty exciting. Yeah. So. man. So that'll be really fun. But. Yeah. You'll hear that episode, and we'll sh- we'll make sure to share that episode when it when Richard puts it up there on mm-hmm. on the uh, Unchurching channel. So we'll let you guys know when that comes out. But Jason, as important as inerrancy, we have some inerrant feedback. It's some perfectly <laughs> inspired <laughs> um, <laughs> feedback.
1: <laughs> These people were clearly moved by the Holy Spirit, okay. Alex, to send us praise,
0: shower us with praise, and
1: money. Some of them, not really. (laughs) Actually, can we say something about money real quick
2: before we we get into some feedback?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, money's awesome. Um, We don't ask our listeners for money, and we haven't yet because we haven't needed to because a certain awesome individual has completely funded our podcast for the next year. Yeah. We won't name his
0: or her name. Yeah. We're not even going to assign them a gender because that's in right now we just wanted to <laughs> I'm say sorry i'm
1: sorry <laughs> we just wanted to give an anonymous an anonymous yeah anonymous an
0: anonymous thank you thank you whoever is listening who gives us money yeah to our donor we salute you we salute you.
1: <laughs> all right feedback um, on Instagram, I'm going to start with an Instagrammer. Okay. My Joy in Chaos. That's her screen name. That's a
0: killer name.
1: Yeah, I know. Sweet, right? Um, she was writing in reply to somebody else looking for new podcast podcast to listen to, and she said this, I'm a big fan of Not Your Pastors podcast. It definitely uh-huh. makes you think about why you believe what you believe.
0: That's pretty awesome. I feel like that sums, up, sums us up pretty well. Yeah, I mean... That might, What's the name again? Because I feel like they can turn into like a song name or a band name. My Joy in Chaos. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Her description of our podcast might be just become our, you know, description of our podcast. Yeah. You know, for who, sure. Who, knows? who you knows? knows? We'll see what it's happens. It's getting late. Yeah. Uh, Twitter. Nathan Miller West at Namway Design says at, N- at NY Pastors, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, fish, birds, insects, Hashtag are all animals.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, That's right, Jason. Yeah. Not that right. we're going to turn this into an animal facts discussion, but I wholeheartedly disagree. I don't care what science says, Nathan.
0: Okay. That's
1: They're not fair. all. Read,
0: Read another and, uh, one. Read another, another one. one.
1: Brian Brinkley. Uh, he reached out to us because remember when we had that five-star review with the big giant word that we yeah. had so much trouble Brian Brinkley's the one who posted it. <laughs> he says, sorry for the troll at NY Pastors. I didn't know it'd be that ambiguous. Love you guys. Absolutely
0: meant to make you read that, though. <laughs> I want, I'm want. i curious, Brian, how did I do? Did I do pretty well in the pronunciation? Do you even or? remember
1: the word right here? No uh, notes, just off the top of your head.
0: No.
2: No.
1: <laughs>
0: I'd have to you have said, it in front. You shot me a text
1: and like I've been practicing this all day, watching YouTube videos. I was like, "You're going, you're going to town, Alex." We take our five star reviews seriously,
0: extremely seriously, and seriously, we haven't gotten any in a couple weeks. So seriously, write us. Yeah, seriously. a five star review. That'd be seriously. awesome. We always read them.
1: Yeah, we got another. Um, I'm. <laughs> I have to like say this again, and I've retweeted this thing like twice because it's from Steve Austin, who is a guest on our show that we talked about the Squatty Potty before our recording with him. He says, hey, at NY Pastors, I don't have a at Squatty Potty, but I do have a Dora stool, Hashtag Squatty Potty. Hashtag Poop. Hashtag Dad Life. And the picture of him is sitting on his toilet and it's a picture of his feet propped up on a Dora lunch pail. Like... (laughs) God. Every time I like search my twi- our Twitter feed, I see that picture and I laugh because it's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. It's funny to me. The rest of you think the it's funny. The people that how? we come into it's contact with, with
0: this podcast, it brings so much joy to my life.
1: We had such a serious discussion, but probably the most serious discussion we had with any of our guests, and Steve Austin, and then the next thing we receive from him is a picture of him on the toilet of his feet propped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a lunch
0: pail apparently it helps with the poops it does i've never tried it, it but i'm I'm always open to uh, okay we just gotta land we gotta land the plane yeah we, we can't talk about bowel movements all the no. time we gotta save that for a future episode the theology of poop coming yeah. coming to you soon yeah we're doing anyway. it leave us a five-star review yeah
1: on itunes our Apple Podcast, or whatever they changed the name to, who oh, cares? We
0: got bumped down to like the number five slot. Oh come on! You know who's number one? It's like called "Not Your Mom's Menopause Podcast." That sounds pretty interesting.
1: <sighs> I don't know, but seriously, leave us a five star review. We'll read it on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, reach out to us at NYPastors, New York Pastors, New York Pastors, NY Pastors on Twitter. Send us a message on Facebook. Like one of our amazing photos on Instagram. We post photos there.
0: Buy my PlayStation 3 that I'm going to be selling. Yeah. need band Oh, money. Alex,
1: how's your uh, minimalist 30-day challenge going?
0: Uh, it's not going super well.
1: Well, save it for next episode when we uh, talk about it in depth.
0: Okay, we'll save it for next week. But anyway, guys, <laughs> there's just one thing you need to know to get through the summer. One thing.
1: You got to keep your stick on the ice.
0: It's, that's all you needed to say.